0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. In this week's sermon, we are launching our new series in the book of Genesis called In the Beginning. For most people, the world shapes our lives, but what if, instead, the original story shaped our lives? Chris Dude joins us this week to explore the origin story of creation and humanity and dives into the implications it has in our lives. Let's go to Chris for the message.
1: What's up, Vineyard Church family? I'm so glad to be with you again. If you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and flip open, and this will be the easiest place you ever flip in your whole church experience. Chapter one of Genesis. (laughs) So literally open the Bible, and it's the very first page right there, Uh, because we're going to jump into a sermon series right now, and it's probably going to last about a year, all the way through the book of Genesis. Uh, If you would, pray with me real quick. Father, um, we humble ourselves right now and we come uh, to you and just ask that you would speak to us, uh, that through your word, uh, that you would root us in um, your story. Would you speak uh, to each one of us individually? Um, And God, I just pray that we'd encounter you in sweet ways. In your name we pray, Jesus, amen. Stories have power. Uh, Stories have the power to form us as individuals, as families, and even as cultures. We love stories. Um, As a kid, I remember uh, that anything I watched on TV, I would try to act like that story for the next few hours, right? So for instance, if if there was a hockey movie I watched, three hours after that or so, I'm playing hockey all over my house. I'm swatting things on the floor, you know, acting like I'm a hockey player. Or uh, Space Jam, right? I remember watching Space Jam one time and for uh, hours afterwards, I mean, I'm outside acting like Michael Jordan, playing basketball, um, having you know all kinds of fun. But I think that's the human experience, uh, that we all try to live into stories. And it's hilarious when you're eight, right? And you're acting like a hockey player or in Space Jam or something like that. Yet I think we also have that uh, t- same experience as adults. Uh, that The t- t- stories that we hear and that we believe, we live into these stories. And it has a huge impact on on how we live. True stories root us in a reality, identity, purpose, um, and even how we are expected to live. They f- form us, yet false stories have grave consequences. I heard this phrase a while back, and it just kind of t- t- stuck with me, but it's called "mis." Living, misliving. That if we believe stories that aren't true and how we view the world isn't true, then we will find ourselves to be misliving, misliving. And over the next year or so, uh, that our aim is that we are gonna look at the origin of the universe (laughs) and uh, that we are gonna try to root ourselves in the story, in the ultimate story of the true story of humanity and our universe. And I think especially over the past three or so years, Uh, that people have been hijacked by smaller stories or even false stories, and also that we are forgetting the ultimate story, Uh, that we are constantly being pulled into other types of stories, right? So this view, or that view, or this American dream, or that view politically left or right, or this false ideology, or this conspiracy theory. And stories have power. True stories root us in reality, identity, purpose, and false stories have grave consequences. Stories have power. So here's my question, vineyard, what story are you living into? What story are you living into. All right, if you have your Bible, uh, let's flip open uh, to chapter one of the book of Genesis. And here in this chapter, three questions are ultimately being asked and answered. Here's question number one. How big is your God? How big is your view of God? Uh, I remember uh, that when I was growing up, I loved my dad, man. He was like my hero, and I thought he was the strongest person I'd ever met. Uh, you know, he was a runner and stuff, so he, man, he was just, I loved him. Uh, but a few times, um, he had uh, to flex his muscles a little bit more than normal, and oftentimes it was when I was doing something really stupid, <laughs> you know, that I was about to run in front of a car or something. And he'd have to snatch me up, and in those moments. It expanded the view of how big and how strong I thought he was. Like I knew he was strong, you know what I mean? Like I saw him, he ran all these miles and and like he was a hard worker and I knew that. Yet in those moments, I experienced his strength in a way more powerful way. And honestly, this is my hope. It's our hope as a church uh, that over the next few weeks that you would have that type of encounter with uh, the loving creator God of the universe. That if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I I know God is big. He's he's massive in all these ways that I pray that you would have a fresh encounter with his love and his strength uh, that your eyes would be open to, wow, he's way bigger than I even thought. And if you're here and you're like, man, I don't even know if I believe in God, like you, man, you're talking about all this Jesus stuff, this God stuff, I hope that you would have an encounter with him as well, and that possibly for the very first time, uh, that you would know how big and how loving he is. As we talk about the origin of uh, the universe and of humanity in general, there's, T- t- four primary views of history and here's what they are view number one is that it all happened by chance right it's, it's all this is just one big uh chance experience right it isn't planned it's not ordained it's literally like throwing uh you know uh, the uh, the dice is you threw the dice and there they are but it's it, it, it's all happening through chance. The next view is that it's just an endless cycle. It's like a yo-yo, right? Picture a yo-yo. It's going up and down and up and down, and history isn't really going anywhere. It's just kind of repeating itself over and over and over again. Uh, The view number three is that it's like a clockmaker. It's like a watch. That Absolutely, there is a God, and he wound everything up and then he left it, and he isn't close anymore. All of it is just playing out however he planned it originally, yet he isn't close anymore. Yet scripture explains that there is a fourth view. It isn't by chance, it isn't an endless cycle up and down and up and down, it's not like a clockmaker, but rather, here in verse number one of chapter number one, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, there is a God. And He created everything in the, the whole universe. Here in these first few words of of our scripture that what we see is that there is a real God. And He has eternally existed, right? It says in the beginning, right? So He has pre-existed time and history. In the beginning, He created the heavens and the earth. He isn't a chance type of God. He didn't just roll the dice. He isn't a up and down pantheism type of god it's just this endless cycle he isn't a clockmaker god where he just wound it up and he left it except rather he is an eternal god who is transcendent he's always existed yet he is also imminently involved in every aspect of history and our lives he is all-powerful, all-knowing, he's holy, he keeps everything held all together, he's the uncaused cause, he's pre-existed everything, and he is outside of time, right? It's kind of like if you held this up, that history has a beginning, history has an end point, and he is outside of history. He He's outside of time. He is eternal and he holds it all in his hands. He understands what has happened and what will happen. He's a massively, huge, eternal, powerful creator God. The question then has to be asked, so why does this matter? Right? like who cares how big God is, right? Like isn't he just kind of, you know, who who really cares? And here's why it actually matters. Is if we have a small view of God or that he's a chance type of God or a, you know, cycle type of God or a clockmaker type of God, then as hardships come up, which we know we're living in 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 crazy times right now, that we won't run to him. But rather we'll be like, yeah, he doesn't care about what's going on. But if we have this view of God, that he's eternal, that he's stronger than we think, yet he's also very close to us, then when hard things happen, we can trust him and run towards him. How big is our God? Well, he is the author of our story. He is the author of history and your story and mine how big is your god well he's very very big here's question number 2 that chapter 1 asks and answered here it is where did all this come from where did all this come from of Few of y'all have heard uh, you know, this story before, but I'm gonna re-explain. I think it's been a few years ever since I told it. Uh, but Kathleen, uh, you know my wife, always wanted a peacock. Right, that was her dream animal. Like I don't know why they're really weird creatures, but you know they're pretty. And uh, she always wanted a peacock her whole life. Uh, you know that she had been like, man, whoever purchases me a peacock, I will marry them. That was that was her plan. I heard about this as we were dating, and I was like, man, I got to get this girl a peacock. Right. Like, I, I don't know where I'm going to find one, but I got to find a peacock and I've got to get this thing because I want to I want to marry this girl. And then I remember uh I asked all my friends that had any connections, uh, you know, to farm animals and things like that. And no one could find a peacock. I'd, I'd ask everybody I knew. I, I mean, I could not find a peacock yet. Um, I was on Craigslist one day. This is a true story and there was a peacock on there for $100, about three hours away, and I didn't ask any questions. I didn't say, hey, like, where did you come to acquire this peacock? I I, I didn't have any idea where this came from, but I just knew, he's got a peacock, I got $100, Let's go get this peacock. So I brought my friend with me and, and I was expecting him to like carry it in the car because I had no idea how huge a peacock was and how ferocious this wild animal was. Uh, we ended up getting there and uh, that I was like, man, like here, here's my peacock. And uh, that I come to find out that this is a wild peacock. He found this thing in the woods. Like this is not a tamed peacock. This is a wild peacock. And I was like, "Man, I'm I'm already here. I drove three hours. So let's go get this thing." And all the way home, like this peacock's in a cage because we couldn't hold it. But he's in the back, like smacking his head on the top of this cage and acting a fool. And 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 finally, uh, that we end up having this peacock at her house. And and man, she's so excited. And uh, you know, I ended up marrying her because of it. So praise the Lord uh but he only lasted about a week or so and then he flew away ran away i don't even know if they fly but he he flew the coop he he left her house and he ran away and we haven't seen him since yet yeah, look at this picture of this peacock i think we're going to have it on the screen here look at all the colors and all the feathers and just how crafted this thing is where did all this come from where did peacocks come from or sunsets or things like that. And and here's the answer, is that it was created. That here in Genesis chapter one, we see that that God, that creator God, that massive God literally created everything. And this should draw us into genuine awe of who he is, Over and over again, from verses 3 until 25, ultimately what we see is this ordering of creation. And ultimately he says that he spoke something into existence and it came into existence and then he said it was good. And then he spoke something else into existence and then it was also good. And over and over again, what we see is that creation is really good. Now, there are two wrong views of creation. One is that the spiritual stuff is good in the world and the physical is bad, so we need to reject it, all right? It's like, I'm gonna read my Bible 12 hours a day and I'm not gonna eat anything or, or you know, have any pleasure in life because spiritual is good, physical is bad, so we reject all the physical, and this is wrong. Scripture clearly says that creation is good. The other wrong view is that creation is part of God. And if it is part of God, then we need to worship creation. And this is a wrong view as well. It isn't bad. It isn't God. It's just good. And here we see in verse number two, I believe it is, that it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters meaning creation is not part of god it is separate from him the spirit was hovering over the waters it isn't bad it isn't god it's just really good also man as we look at this passage here there's been a lot of conversations about what is the point of genesis you know is it a science book Uh, You know, what is the point of of all this being written down how it was? And I believe that the scripture here isn't meant to be a science book, yet rather it's meant to show the who and the what of creation rather than the when of creation. And I wish we could go into an hour on, uh, you know, all the creation theories uh, but rather, we're going to put them up on uh, the screen right here of a lot of ones that are possibilities that th- thoughtful Christians have uh, believed over time. And in your small groups, you can argue over which one you think is uh, the best, or just have conversation around uh, you know what you uh, believe. Uh, but here's about eight of them on. screen right here. And if you're not in a group and you're like, man, that sounds fun. I want to jump into some of that. Jump into a small group, man. Like your groups are having conversations like this all the time. So hop into a small group and have more conversations around these topics here. I have an opinion on it, uh, but the, you know, the ultimate thing that I want to explain from this is that the first chapter of Genesis is not a science book. It's explaining the who and what of creation. Yet Christianity is not anti-science. We lean into science and the scriptures and the word of God. But as we look at peacocks, as we look at sunsets and, and, and all of the incredible things in creation, we have a glimpse of the awesomeness of God. He is infinitely creative. And we should let creation draw us up into the enjoyment and the praise of who he is. He is so creative. He created Ethiopian coffee. Come on, somebody. He created peacocks and zebras and friends and food and family and vacations. And we should enjoy these things and then ultimately have it roll up into the praise of who he is. I heard an analogy one time that was asking the question, what's the difference in a Christian enjoying a filet mignon and uh, the non-Christian enjoying a a filet mignon. And the answer is that the non-Christian eats the filet mignon and he says, dang, that's a good filet. It terminates on itself. It's like, man, this thing just tastes so good. I'm so glad I'm eating this filet mignon. Yet the Christian, when he eats the filet mignon, He experiences the flavors and he says, what an awesome steak. Yet then it rolls up into the praise and the worship of God. It's what a good steak. God, you made it. God, you made my taste buds. Oh, this is absolutely incredible. This God, we just worship you. (laughs) Everything came from God. And oh man, as we look around at our world, we can see he's infinitely creative and all of the awesomeness of creation uh, that we can let it roll up into the praise of who He is. Well, how big is our God? Well, He's he's really big. (laughs) Um, He's really good. And how about all this stuff? Where did it all come from? Well, it came from God. It's not bad. It isn't God. It's just good. And then... Uh, the last question, question number three, who are we? Who are we? I love Easter candy. Does anybody else love Easter candy? I, I'm I'm obsessed with Easter candy. Man, I love the uh, peeps. I'm a peep guy. I, I know there's a lot of uh, strong opinions about peeps. You either hate them or you're obsessed with them. I, I'm I'm a fan of peeps. Uh, you know there's uh, you know jelly beans. I love jelly beans. There's uh, chocolate bunnies. There's hot cross buns. Right. There's there's all these things. Yet the pinnacle of Easter candy is the Reese's Easter egg. Come on, somebody. Anybody else out there just, just the Easter egg, uh, the Reese's Easter egg is just the pinnacle of all of the Easter candy. Um, And you may have your own opinion about what the pinnacle is, yet scripture explains that the pinnacle of all creation is humanity. That he created so many good and wonderful things, like coffee and peacocks and uh, the beach and sunsets and filet mignon. But the pinnacle of God's creation is none of those things. It is humanity, and explains this in verse twenty-six here. And then he said, "Let us make mankind in our image." After our likeness. I remember the first few times I read this, and even up until recently, it was like, who is the we in this? Who is the us in this scripture? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Is it the angels? Is it the animals? Like what what is happening here? And ultimately what's happening here is that this scripture is speaking of the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You and I are made in the image of God. And He is a Trinitarian God. Ultimately, that just means that He is one in essence, yet three in persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He did not create you and I because He was lonely. It's not like, man, I'm God I wonder what I'm going to do today. I, I mean, I'm 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 kind of feeling lonely. So let's make some humans who will make my life way more interesting for sure. No, no, no. He created us out of an overflow of joy in Himself, in the Trinity. All three persons of the Trinity are at work in creation. Right. We see the Spirit hovering over the waters all the way in, uh, you know, John chapter one. That we see that Christ was uh, in. The process of creation, all things were created through Him and for Him and to Him. We see the Trinity in creation, and He created out of an overflow of joy in Himself in order to invite you and I into intimacy with Him as well. Humans are the pinnacle of His creation. Um... Evelyn right now really wants a puppy. Uh, you know, she's almost a year old now. Can y'all believe that? That my little girl Evelyn is is almost a year old. Uh, but all she wants right now is a puppy. Every time that we're out in public and uh, you know there's any type of dog, she points at it and looks at me like, "I want one of those. Why can't you buy me a puppy?" And uh, we've kind of you know spend some time doing some research on dogs. I'm not gonna cave yet, but I will probably eventually cave. Uh, but we found this one type of dog that we really love, and it's a French Bulldog. And I was like, man, that dog's cute. I, I'm, I might be okay with a French Bulldog. And then we looked at the price, and y'all know how much these things cost? Like $5,000, legitimately, like five grand. Th- these French Bulldogs cost $5,000, and it's like, who has five grand to spend on a puppy dog? So we're probably going to get like a free dog somewhere. Eventually it's going to be great. But picture that French bulldog real quick, $5,000. And then also picture this lady. Uh, there's a lady uh, that that was in uh, you know, Kathleen's church growing up, who, uh, that when she was a little girl, she t- fell into a pool, And uh, she was in there for quite a long time. They finally pulled her out, uh, but she uh, isn't able to speak anymore or uh, to walk or uh, to interact hardly at all with anybody else. So picture her and then also picture that $5,000 French bulldog out of those two options who is the more valuable is it the $5000 french bulldog that man, has has a lot of value in our world or is it this sweet you know, lady who isn't able to speak or what well, well it's it's her all of us inherently know that why is it her because she is made in the image of God. And Fluffy, or you know, whatever we name that animal, is not. I know you love your dog. I know you love your cat, but they are not as valuable as a human being. You, <laughs> I mean, look at me in the camera. You are made in the image of God. You have infinite value. His fingerprint is on you, you inherently have more value than all of the animals. You and I are made in the image of God. Um, And then in verse 28, this is what it says. So he's always existed. He spoke everything into existence in this ordered way. And, And then he made man and woman. And then it says, and he blessed them. Oh man, I, I want y'all to get this so bad. That The very first thing that God did was not to give them a list of rules of here's the things you can do and can't do or here's your purpose, but rather the very first thing that God did was bless humanity. Man, I hope that your view of God is reframed in that light. That He is a God who wants to bless you and I. And then he said, after I've blessed you, now I have a purpose for you to be fruitful and multiply and rule over the rest of creation. Having this view of humanity will cause us to treat no one as common. Yet everyone we interact with on the streets or or, or at work or in our family or anywhere We will view them through the image of God, that we will know this person who I'm looking at, who I'm screaming out about politics right now, they are made in the image of God. They have the fingerprint of God, even if it's kind of twisted in some way. Each and every person is made in the image of Him. This roots us in our identity and our purpose. How big is our God? Well. He's really big. Where did all this come from? Well, it came from God. It's not bad. It isn't God. It's just good. And who are we? We are the pinnacle of all of His creation. And then look in verse 31 here. We're almost through the chapter. It says this And He t- saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. And as we look around at this world that He has created, over and over again, He said, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then He made a man and woman, and He blessed them, and He gave them a purpose. And then He said, it's very good. It's very, very It's very, very good. Yet, the question then begs to be asked, what happened? What happened? Because as we look around at our world, we have glimpses of this reality, right? That things are good, that there's animals and plants and people, and it's all this awesomeness. Yet, as we look around at our world, we also see a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain. Addiction, screaming at each other, hate and murder, and all these broken things in our world. What in the world has happened? I mean, even in you know, your personal life, in my life, In our hearts, right, we see that, man, here it seems like everything is just perfect, right? They have perfect intimacy with God, perfect intimacy with one another, have purpose, and they're full of joy and and blessing. Yet as we look around at our world and inside our own hearts, we feel this pain of, that's not how it is. Now, what in the world has gone wrong? I wish I could spend another hour unpacking that for you, Uh, but we're going to jump into that question over uh, the next few weeks. And I would just invite you back. But all the way through this chapter, all the way through uh, the book of Genesis and through the entire Bible, what we see is that there is a creator God who's really good. All of us have turned away from him and said, we don't want anything to do with you. We want our own way. Yet, over and over again, he comes towards our brokenness. He comes towards our mess. He doesn't throw up his hands and say, you're too broken, I'm gonna leave you there because I wanted perfection. No, no, no. The God of the universe runs towards our brokenness, into our mess, into our brokenness, and eventually, at the end of the story, he will set everything right again stories have the power. True stories root us in reality, identity, and purpose. Yet false stories have grave consequences. Stories have power, Vineyard. So my question as we close right now is what story are you living into? What story are you living into? Have you been hijacked? You know, by another story in culture, in politics, and in our world? Or are you living into this story? And I would just ask you, man, if you realize here today, man, I've, man, I've been hijacked by another story. I would tell you to repent. And I believe you're listening to this because the God of the universe is drawing you to himself he's pursuing you in your pain and brokenness come into his story i love you vineyard
0: thanks for joining us on the vineyard podcast today it's our greatest desire for people to find and follow god and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that but don't stop here We would love to see you face to face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.